I entitled this message today, The Lord's Prayer on Father's Day. And, and there's a reason for that. And, and, and you'll see as we get into it uh, what I'm talking about. Oh, and it's so great to have my beautiful daughter here. She snuck in on me. It's one of those sneak attacks. You got to watch. You never know when they're going to show up. Poof, and they're right there like a phantom. <laughs> it's, but it's great to have her here. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Lord, I, I pray this morning that this prayer would impact the heart of every man and every woman that is in this place today. Lord, every man and woman that is watching uh, this message online, Lord, I pray, let it reach deep into their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I thought as I read this this week, I thought, what an easy Father's Day lesson and lessons that are found in this prayer. Well, first of all, in verse 9, it speaks of the Father. Because it says, after this manner, it says, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Maybe the best way to understand our Heavenly Father is becoming an earthly father. And when you're an earthly father, you know what we're talking about. You had to raise children. You had to correct them. You had to guide them. You had to lead them. You had to be a leader. It's been said, and I believe that often it's very true, There are a lot of men who are dads. But there are not a lot of men who are fathers. You see, because there are two distinct differences between a dad and a father. A dad is somebody who is there from time to time, has no leadership, no guidance. But a father is someone who cares and raises their children in the fear of the Lord. Someone who guides and directs and brings stability to the children's lives. And then when you think of Jesus as the father of all of us, that's the kind of father he is. He, he, he directs us. He guides us. He cares for us. He chastens us. Oh, nobody likes to hear that. Nobody likes to hear that. Oh, I've been wrong, so I'm going to be corrected. And Jesus has a way of correcting us. But, you know, he doesn't come out of the sky with a ball bat or a, like if you're growing up in the, in the time that I grew up and mom, you did something wrong and mom told you to go out and get a 
switch off the tree. You don't come in with some old rickety switch. At the first pop, it's going to break into a thousand pieces because then she's going to go get a tree trunk. And it's going to hurt a lot worse. Now, I don't mean literally a tree trunk, but if you've ever had a spanking from your mother, you know what I'm talking about. Or your father, for that matter. But we have to understand what it is to be a father. God gave his only begotten son that we would have eternal life. Our loving father in heaven, he is a true father, one who cares about your well-being. Matter of fact, he cares about your very soul. You see, because the soul returns to the Lord. I don't think God is looking for corrupted souls. I don't think he's looking for tarnished souls or hearts. He's looking for clean, spotless. But how much the Bible has to say about the father. When he says he sees the sparrow fall. He feeds the birds who just fly around. You ever seen birds just fly around? I, I always, they marveled me birds I could throw bread out on the ground and they don't come and touch it but there's some bugs out there flying around they just swoop down and snatch them up so I thought maybe if I put some bugs on the bread maybe they'll come eat the bread I don't know but we have a father who longs to take away our fears he cares so much for us that he wants to dispel all fear and, and, and all, all the things that, that seem to, to make us wander from his care. By sending his sons, it speaks not only about the Father, but, you know, when you think about Jesus, we're thinking about the one who sees all, the one who knows all. Nothing escapes his view. Nothing escapes him at all. Matter of fact, he wants to help all. It doesn't matter whether you're a saint or a sinner. He's looking to help. He's looking to draw you to the cross. But when you think about all that, and you start to put all that in retrospect, you go to John 1.12, you begin to see, because we become his children by faith. But as many as received him, to them he gave, he gave what? Power to become sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. You see, all who are welcome, Jesus our Lord has called his children. You see, we're reborn spiritually. Receiving life from God through faith in Christ. This new birth changes us. From the, what? From the inside out. I think when a lot of people come to Jesus, they try to change it the opposite way. They want to change the outside appearance and then work on the inside. But Jesus works from the inside out. And that's what I love about it because when there's a true transformation, everything is changed instantaneous. Why? Because the shedding of the blood of the Father that is poured out upon you changes everything about you. Not some things, but everything. But see, you know, there's some of those people who've come to Christ and they, 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 they let the blood stop at the waist. 
They said, what? Yeah, some people don't want to let go of some of the old sinful nature. They think, well, God understands. I know God understands this, that he sent his only begotten son, that the cleansing of his blood should cleanse all of us, not some of us, and not some things, but all things. In verse 10, it speaks about our future. He says here, thy kingdom come. You see, the phrase, thy kingdom come, is a reference to God's spiritual reign. Not Israel's freedom from Rome. God's kingdom was announced in the covenant with Abraham. In present, Christ reigns over all believers' hearts. Greater is he that lives in you than he that lives in the world. So, so what are we saying? Christ lives within us. And so because of that, we can, we can denote to ourselves that he wants to change everything about us. Maybe you tire of all the crime and the sorrows of this world. As a pastor, I can say sometimes it gets very trying at times. To hear about all the bad things that are going on and continuing to go on. When I read perhaps an Instagram post or a something online and, and you read about all these corrupt things that are going on. I got upset the other day and I don't know that I should share this, but I'm, you know me, I'm all about trouble. <laughs> but somebody had sent me a post about the um, pride festivals that are going on. And it, they had painted some downtown street crossings with the rainbow flag. And so I just made one little comment, I promise you. Just one little comment. And it, and it was gone within 10 minutes. So, I mean, not who could have saw it in 10 minutes? I just said, what a waste of taxpayer dollars. <laughs> we're going to paint this, you know, and then we're going to have to clean it all back up. You know, that's all I said. And I was banished. A pastor of yours, he caused a lot of problems. Maybe you're fed up with all the violence of the headlines that we see from time to time. Maybe you're discouraged about the developments of this nation. All of these things never seem to end. As a Husband, as a father, as an uncle, as a pastor. You may find it hard to believe at times that, that you, you can't become discouraged. And it does get discouraging. But you know what? I, I, I can reflect on the Word of God. Because you know what? God told me all these things are going to happen. That's why I don't get discouraged because I know the more of these things that happens, it tells me the closer and closer and closer to the end times that we really are. And we're getting there. It just seems like so much more is happening than we could have ever thought of. I remember Pastor Wade when he announced to us about his retirement. And me and Robbie were sitting in his office when he announced it to us. He said, now, boys, <laughs> let me tell you something. I'm going to retire. We were like, 
He said, I feel for you both. I'm like, yeah, what are we going to do now? He said, you guys are going to face things in ministry that I never thought I'd see in my day. He said, so be prepared. I'm like, is this our like, what is this, a message? What, what, what's going on here? What he was saying was, there are some things that are going to happen in the church world that we've never seen happen before. There are going to be things that are going to happen in the Christian lives of people that we've never seen happen before. The persecution, the shunning, now the cancel culture. You see, if you go into a workplace today and you let people know you're a Christian, they cancel you. I'm trying to figure out what that exactly means. I'm trying to figure out how, get, how I get canceled. But, but it happens. Church, when I read in the Word of God, Isaiah chapter 11, and I, I would encourage you this week to read Isaiah chapter 11. Because when you read Isaiah chapter 11, it will give your goosebumps goosebumps. Because it talks about a better day that is coming. It begins to talk about some things. Let me, let, can I read just a couple portions to you? Let me read a couple portions to you. Because I tell you, it, it, it really... And there shall come forth out of the, out of the, of the stream of Jesse, stem, I'm sorry, stem of Jesse, a branch, and it shall go out of its roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of fear, and the, and the fear of the Lord. And it shall make of him quick understanding and fear of the Lord. And he shall, what? Not judge after the sight of his eyes. Neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. And it goes on. And it continues. What it, to me, it's the most edifying. It's the most, it's the most uplifting passage and Isaiah, because it tells me that God is looking out for all. And he's made a way for all of us. But you know what I like about this passage we read this morning? Give us this day our daily bread. It speaks of food. My favorite topic. Our Heavenly Father provides our daily bread. He gives us the strength to walk, to, uh, to work, and he, and he provides jobs, and, and, and He has His hand in our financial matters. You see, some people say that God doesn't care about finance. It's, everything's all spiritually based. But I'm telling you, He cares about every aspect of your life, even your finances. 
I believe that's why he calls in the scripture that we're to be good stewards of our money. You're not supposed to throw your money away. I tell the people I win the lottery every week because every week I don't play. So I can take that dollar and I can send it to a missionary who's going to do far more with that dollar than I could have ever done putting it on a lottery ticket. Now I'm not bringing condemnation on anybody. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying, there's, there, there, there's a call to be a good steward of your money that God gives to you. We have to be thankful for the food that we receive today. I think when I, when I think of food, I always think of all the great things about food. I like the, the smell of it. You know, it, it, it works you up. And then you, you see it out. Now, there are some foods that really, really smells super good. But when you see it on a plate, you wouldn't think of touching it. What is the corresponding thought here? There are some things in life that look really good, but in God's eyes, it stinks. We have to be careful. We have to think about these things. Like I said earlier, when Virginia opened up that cabinet and she was staring at the cabinet and she was saying, oh, how beautiful is that? And I'm thinking, what is she looking at? That's so beautiful in the cabinet. She said, look at all those beautiful vitamins. I'm thinking, huh? I'll be straight up with you. I'm not really a vitamin guy. She has more vitamins in her cabinet and I could I could ever shake a stick at. And she loves, she, she takes them faithfully and has been for years. She can tell you what vitamin she's taking on what day and what, and what it does. She can tell you what each vitamin's for. I'm thinking, I have to look at the back. Of, and you have to get a magnifying glass to read the back of those labels. Like one of those that has a 400 zoom on it or something. I mean, you just can't read them. And I never understood the thought of vitamins. I thought, why don't we just go out and eat the grass? That's what some of them taste like. But it speaks of forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This is a good word. We can forgive because we have been forgiven. If you've ever wondered the, about the Father's love for you, just remember the cross. And church, I'm going to just go a little deep here for a second. Not deep, but maybe shallow. If you have a hard time forgiving people, you need to get on your knees and go to the Lord about that. Because, see, if you have a hard time forgiving and you can't forgive, he's not going to forgive you. I don't, know about, I don't know what you think about that, but I'm just going to say this. I forgive everybody. If I've ever offended you, forgive me. If you've ever offended me, trust you me, I have forgiven you. Why? Because it is important. It is vital 
to your spiritual growth, that you learn to forgive, that you learn to, to understand what it is to forgive those who've offended you. You have to understand that this is a vital part of your spiritual walk with the Lord. You must forgive. You know, I always see some of these people on TV, and I can understand. You read, you see some of these commentaries of people that hear about somebody who's raped and killed a child. And, and, and you think, I, I could never forgive that. And you could say in your heart or in the back of your mind, I think I could understand how they feel. But you still have to forgive. I mean, I don't know about you, but eternity is hanging in the balance when you don't forgive. When you choose to harbor hard feelings. Jesus paid it all. He didn't pay for this sin or that sin and that sin over there, well, that's still, that's still on debate. That's, we're, we're, he's still waiting on this. See what his mind is on. That's not how it works. He forgave all sins when he went to the cross. It may make you sick. It may make you angry. But you still have to forgive. It took a long time for me to learn what true forgiveness was when I came to the Lord. Because I had a lot of anger issues. And I had some things that happened in my life. I thought, I, I'll never forgive them. But when Jesus forgave me of my sins, I can't describe it to you, but I can tell you this. It was easy for me to forgive them. I, I, I don't know how to explain that to you other than there was this release. And when I forgave them, even though they wouldn't acknowledge it, I had this, this weight that had been lifted off my shoulders. I, I began to encounter a new sense of joy in my heart and my life. I began to be able to praise Jesus freely and openly without any problems of thinking about my past or the things that had happened there. It, I'm able to move forward. I used to say, well, you know what? They don't want to forgive me. That, that's a problem. Because, see, they have to work through it. They have to deal. I don't have to deal with what they won't forgive. I only have to deal with what I wouldn't forgive. And Jesus forgave me so I can forgive you. And I can move forward. And you know what? I can move forward with joy and happiness and excitement because I know that there's coming a day when I'm going to see my Jesus and he's going to stand and he's going to look at me and he's going to say, enter in. That's going to be exciting. Oh, man, we got to start over. <laughs> we got to start over. I saw some smiles, but I saw no moving. Jesus, being in his presence, should bring excitement to our heart and our life, thinking about all that he has done for us each and every day. 
But you know what else this verse speaks of? Lead us not in temptation, but to deliver us from evil. It speaks of freedom. All sin enslaves. Yielding yielding to temptation only brings bondage. Many lives are ruined by yielding to temptation. Many ministries are crushed because of the leadership yielding to temptation. But our Lord is able to deliver us from all temptation. How do we know that? Because he tells us in 1 Corinthians 10.13 But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above what ye are able but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. Hallelujah. He said, what is he saying here? I have, I have made a way for you. I've made a way that you can flee from temptation. How can you do it? Just continually focus upon the Lord. I'm not saying you won't stumble here or there, but I'm just saying if you keep your eyes focused on the Lord, it's going to be easy to move forward. Why? Because he's forgiving. He doesn't say, oh, after the third time, all right, that's three strikes, you're out. Hit the road, Jack. The flames are revving up for you. No. He still forgives. Every time we go to him and we ask him to forgive us, he forgives. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So how does this verse conclude? This verse concludes... It ends with assurance about forever. He is the God of forever. We know that he's the God who never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We may get tired with time, but Jesus never gets tired in time. He never gets tired of you calling upon him. He never gets tired of you wanting to speak to him. He never gets tired about the issues that we come up with about eternity. He never tires of you. He only knows one thing. He loves you. And he gave his life for you. And because of that, we can be ready for eternity. Because he has made it ready for us. He he concludes, how does he say? Forever. Amen. Means End of line. You see, church, we have an advocate with the Father. No matter what we go through, we can go to Him. We can talk to Him. Men, let me speak to you just for a second. It's Father's Day. I like to call it Men's Day. But what are you doing about leading your home? What are you doing about leading your children? 
your community, your friends. You see, when you become a father, you become a leader, it doesn't just end there. Your children grow and they get married and move out of the home and you say, well, I don't have any say-so over them anymore. That's a lie. And that's what the enemy would want you to think. You see, we are called men of God. A true father never stops leading his family. He is always a leader. He's always called to be a leader. What you do today is to be setting examples for your children who are growing up and becoming young men and women of God, young adults. Our leadership should still influence them. But church, men, if you're not using this to lead your lives, don't expect your children to follow. You see, because the Word of God is the most bold piece of leadership that we have. And we must use it on a daily basis. When your children come to you for advice, you should be giving them advice from the Word of God. And when you give them advice from the Word of God, there's nowhere they can go with that. Because they know it's truth. It's the, the Word of God is solely inspired by the Spirit of God. All of this has been brought to us by the power of the Holy Ghost. And so because of that, our leadership never ends. Your children will look back and they will say, what a godly man my father was. What a godly father my father is. I can't look back and say, growing up, what a godly man my father was. Because I know that that wasn't the case. But I know in the end, he received Jesus Christ as his Savior. What did that tell me? It told me what a humble man he was. That he saw that he had the need of a Savior. You see, church, it doesn't end. We're called to be leaders. And we're called to direct our homes. And that means even those who aren't in the home. Because your spiritual life is what's going to keep them moving in the right direction. I'm not saying they won't fall off the, tr the tracks somewhere along. Somebody told you know, the train won't derail sometimes. But you could always go back to where that train derailed and get it back on course. Lead a child in the way he shall go, and he will not depart from, he will come back, the word of God says. Why does he say that? Because he says in his word that his word will not become void. Everything that you share from your lips, from the word of God into the mind of a, of a person, is not going to just fall away on deaf ears. It's going to come back one time or another. And especially with your children. I know there are men that, that suffer with different things. Maybe divorce, children who have turned a hardened heart toward you. But just know this, God sees all 
and he knows all. And he will make a way because his word, his promises have declared such. So today as we close, I'm going to just ask all you men to stand. I'm going to just ask the men to stand up. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you for each one of these men that are here today. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for each one because, Lord, you have given them a desire to search after your holy name. You've given them a desire to seek your face. And I pray, God, today for each one of them. Lord, not only that you have placed a hedge of protection around them, but, Lord, that you will impact and let the word of God impact each one of their hearts in such a way that they will be able to deliver truth from the word of God into their children's lives when they ask for it. Or better yet, those in our community that we see, may we be able to impact their lives with the leadership of your word, changing the world for Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you will touch each one. Anoint each one of them, Father God, from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Minister to each one of them. Lord, I pray for the men around the world that are filling pulpits and other church leadership roles. Lord, I pray that you will touch them. Anoint each one of them. Let your Holy Ghost power fall upon them, Father. As they, as they utter the words of God, may they speak with authority and leadership to impact the lives of the people they're ministering to. Lord, because we know that it is your word, the authoritative word of God, Lord, that we have the ability and the boldness to go and to share that message with others. And Lord, I pray today that each man that is here touch their hearts. Allow them to become stronger and more bold witnesses for you in their homes and their communities. And we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen.